0: The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store.
1: Hello, hunting junkies, and welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast, probably brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app.
0: That's right. So uh, today I'm looking forward to it. We're jumping back in. We've had uh, this guest on a couple different times. It's always one of my favorite podcasts that we do. So I know usually we do a chit chat back and forth, but I want to jump right into it today. Let's get
1: our honorary co-host on yeah. board. We got Mossy Oaks, very own Cuz Strickland. Cuz, thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey. Um- I appreciate the invite and and not a blatant sponsor plug. I was just using my Onyx hunt app to measure how far I've got to lay a water line. That thing is priceless. <laughs>
0: it is. That's the good part about it. We've talked about it, Mark and Terry and I. Like We use it for more things than just hunting. It's just, you know, the measuring the line distance of the food plot mm-hmm. to measure
2: yeah. how far your shot might be, just all kinds of stuff. Oh, it's priceless. You know, there's nothing more dangerous than the old guy with technology. (laughs) You know what, though? I, I, I love what you're about because you have
0: adapted... To it all over the years, you know. If you look back on where you guys started at Mossy Oak with the size of the camera that you had to lug around mm-hmm. back then, you know, for uh, hunting the country all the way up till today, and Cuz Four One One, and you know, the YouTube side of what you're doing and the Mossy Oak Go app. I mean, you, you have adapted as well as anybody, and it, you know, it it really shows that you love the sport because all those things allow you to continue to reach out to the consumer, the viewers, the listeners, and share your knowledge, share your passions. That's the key.
2: Well, it's, it's fun to pass it on. And like I say, with, you know, first off I've been to the Drury boot camp of social media. So <laughs> I, I do have an edge on everybody else, but the, you know, the majority of my followers, especially on Instagram are young, you know, 20 sure. or 18 to 30. So, you got to reach them on what they're looking at. That's the vehicle we use. And I love sharing knowledge. And it's not that I've got that much. It's just I've been around guys like your dad and Toxie and Will Primos. All those guys, uh, they're so good. They learned in a different time. So some of that information is valuable to young people.
1: Well, and one of our favorites around the studio here are the Cranky Chronicles. And and I know like that's an extra step for you to – to 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 film to film those experiences out in the field because it's it's hard enough with a youngster trying to get them on an animal but what was kind of the the thought process behind creating that series
0: and, and and explain to our audience if they don't know what the cranky chronicles are yeah
2: yeah well I've got you know four grandkids and they've all done it all came to them easy you know killing deer and killing turkeys well uh, Ben a.k.a. Cranky. That's his nickname. He's the youngest one. And it just, we were struggling with him, both deer and turkey. So, uh, of course, he's little. And, uh, you know, I would notice when I would, I was I try to film everything and I talk about how I use the blinds for the little kids and what I use to prop the gun in. And those were information stuff that was good. But anything I threw up there with Cranky, it just went crazy with the views. People were so pulling for him, you know, <laughs> on the deer and the turkey, especially the turkey stuff. And uh, the we did a thing. Uh, we just started, Lauren, who edits all that for me on Cuz 411 on YouTube, she just started calling it the Cranky Chronicles. And I could put That's a still picture up of Cranky and it would just go crazy. People just fell in love with him
0: he's a character <laughs> he,
2: mm-hmm. he, he, he we off air we
0: were talking about our kids and your grandkids and y- you had mentioned something about they're just so honest they don't know how to be anything but honest and that's what i love about all the snippets that you put up with them they're just funny <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's very honest well, he he is he is honest and he is uh he was so determined you know the cool thing about him the deer we won't get into that it's but the, the turkey, you know, we, we got so close to, there was this turkey behind, kind of close to our farm. A guy was letting me hunt there and uh, same turkey in the same place, had two running buddies with him. And we kept hunting him last year, hunting him like eight or nine days, which is a lot for a little kid that has school and everything oh, else yeah. in my schedule. And we got so close, but every time Cranky wanted to go back to where he was, he started calling him the devil. He said, "Pop, <laughs> that turkey's the devil. That is the devil." Is the <laughs> the <baby>? devil. <laughs> and uh, so this year, we, you know, I went over there early. Of course, as far south as I am, those turkeys were gobbling in the middle of February. Hmm. Same area, same everything. And I set a blind up on this clover lane and all this stuff. And I said, "Now look, we can go to Toxie's dirt." I can go to a bunch of places. Nope, let's go hunt the devil. <laughs> and uh, so when he finally got him, not the video of the kill, but I shot a little video with my phone and him on the tailgate where he let everybody know, just on my Facebook page, it got over 300,000 views <laughs> and 2,600 comments. <laughs> and it, That's It that awesome was the now. nicest comments. I was just blown away.
0: Well, and you know, it's interesting because for a long time we, we struggle, you know, you showing youth hunts. It's an interesting thing because if the, if the kid doesn't like, if they're not comfortable on camera, Mm -hmm. it can be a real tough hunt to watch and you got to be cognizant of, of in the edit to try to make it feel like it's flowing and going along. But boy, when you get those kids that are comfortable on camera, like you know cranky or like taylor when she was growing up it it, it's pretty enjoyable to watch sure their progression you know and it's just a rare thing so as much as we can show the ones that that do well on camera the better really Mm -hmm.
2: yeah you know the funny thing and you're so right y'all are so dialed in you guys are so good back in the day when i would take kids uh because i just love doing it I would always like say we need to go practice the interview, and I would set the camera up and sit down, and we would talk, and I was really filming the whole time. So I'd say, now we're gonna come back in here after lunch and do this, but I want to ask you some questions. And boy, they, as long as that camera, they didn't think it was on, they were relaxed. But most of them were just like, boom, yes <laughs> and no, and one. And you're right, that can be really hard to watch. Thank God, cranky don't care. He don't care if he's filming. He don't care. He don't care. Just in general, doesn't
1: care. That's the beauty of it. My, my daughter right now has, has gotten used to being on camera. I, I film a lot, most of the stuff that we do outdoors, fishing or hunting. The problem with her is she's probably gotten a little too comfortable on camera <laughs> yeah. and just starts talking and won't stop yeah. and starts talking about horses and school and it's like, okay, let's dial it, it back a little bit, baby. <laughs> Golly. You're going to love that later,
0: though. Just go back and watch it. Uh we'll see. Yeah,
2: there's some there's some gold in there though. I promise you. Boy, <laughs> yeah, kid, for kids sure. and dogs, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> right. It's like the guys, you know, back in the day we were on TNN, which is way before the
1: Nashville Network your
2: guys' time. But when we moved to ESPN, I had to go up oh, there ESPN. for a producer's meeting in Bristol, Connecticut. And basically I'll never forget that guy telling me that really good storylines. And good cinematography will never go out of style. Mm, Sure. It said, tell the story, tell the story. So you guys have always been great at that and... Little kids are always good stories or most of the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's certainly an X factor involved there that you just never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. adds to it. Yeah. Well, so, so we have a a ton of questions from our listeners and thank you to everyone who has submitted questions to the show. And we had one from uh, our buddy Rich up in Michigan and he's wanting to know about, first time turkey hunter, So, uh, so thank you to Rich first for asking that question. Second, I can't think of a better person than cuz to answer that. So it leads us into our question of the
0: day. Yeah. So the question of the day today is brought to you by Tinsing Packs. Go further, hunt longer, Tinsing.
1: Hey guys, this is Rich Morris from Michigan. My question is what would be the most uh, important piece of advice you could give us to help a young or first time hunter Uh, be successful their first time out
0: thanks so this is uh we got the perfect guest and we're already on the perfect topic so why don't you just kind of keep us flowing here cuz and give us your thoughts you've you've been through it here recently what are your thoughts here on this question of the day
2: well mine's gonna be a little different you know but i if i'm talking to somebody who's just getting into hunting i'm gonna tell them to spend so many people talk about calling and doing this and picking out this and man, I would I would work 95% of my free time into finding turkeys because hmm. you're going to learn what to do, I mean, through trial and error. And, you know, people have, and I did a big public hunt again this year, and there's turkeys on public land, but people overlook possibilities depending on what state you live in. If you're seeing them going down the road or whatever, they're still, especially for turkeys, not as much deer always, but... There's available places to hunt turkeys because not everybody hunts turkeys. So I I say spend the majority of your time locating and having spots to hunt them. You know, learn what sign looks like. Don't be afraid to knock on a door and, hey, look, I'm so-and-so. I've never done this. I wonder if I could turkey hunt. You'd be stunned how many times you can get permission to turkey hunt where you may not be able to get permission to deer hunt. And if you spend 99 percent of your time finding those places, you can always find a person, especially with social media, that'll go along with you, you know, to kind of teach and show you the ropes. So to me, it's find that spot A, spot B, spot C, have you plenty of spots that hold turkeys that you get permission to go to and learn the woods.
1: But that, that, that's so true. And, and I think, you know, as I think back early on to when I started turkey hunting, I know I had some birds come in that were just curious as to what in the world that noise is, <laughs> because I wasn't a great turkey caller. And so if, if you're just there in a good spot or where they're going to come through, it's you just tip the odds so much more in your favor and you can, you eventually get better and better as you iterate your processes. But, um, but just having good ground, I just can't think of a better. A better way to start out well
0: i often think about the way mark and terry hunt and and you know we of course have large tracks that they own but mark specifically mark will work to get access to so many pieces before the season starts because he'll run through it In no time. And he's not a very patient person. So that's part of it. Cause (laughs) Hunter with him again last year and probably saw that up, up uh, close and personal, but it's, it's one of those deals where he tries to go through as much dirt because if the turkeys aren't gobbling, unless you know to his point where they are and Mm -hmm. and you just set up it's not that's not really as much of a fun hunt as as running a gun and getting on and calling one in but he'll he'll roll through a bunch of ground just to get one to respond and then go to the turkey so it's kind of twofold there like you know you could you could know where the turkeys are and just set up and wait them out you know and that's that's probably a, a strategy that a lot of people are that aren't great at calling or successful turkey hunters still just sure. by waiting them out. Mm-hmm. But boy, you could also just have a lot of little pieces and it doesn't take much. I mean, it might be a 40 acre piece, 80 acres or 20 acres, or it might be that somebody's got a pasture right off the road that these turkeys, I mean, i all the time you're you driving down the road. <laughs> That's the only time I see Turkey. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, there's three strutters right there yeah. every day right there. Well, to cousin's point, go knock
2: on the door. Cause probably somebody's not hunting them. Amen. You know, and you you and your your dad and I hunt the exact same way. What he's doing, he's finding those turkeys that have their window open. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a big, big believer in that. But when you're first getting started, there's one thing to go sit out in the woods and, yeah, I can't do it. Your dad won't do it either. I'm not going to go yelp at the trees. (laughs) But if you know there's turkeys in there, hey, if you're a first-time guy, pop your blind and get in there, sneak in and do it. It's, it's fine dirt that's got turkeys. And you're right, it can be 40 acres, it can be 400, it can be one pasture. But the main thing is, at some point, you need to be successful. Now, whether that's hearing a turkey gobble or seeing them down through the woods or having a hen come up, you need to have that interaction so mm-hmm. yeah find,
0: find those places man anytime that I hear somebody say man I've, I've gone turkey hunting I just don't get it I don't see what people are so fired up about I, I scratch my head but then I experience hunts like I did with dad this year <laughs> right, last year I didn't kill a bird this year I got lucky on the first day I went but then I came back with Cameron and we didn't hear mm-hmm. any goblin and I thought to myself well you know what if if I was a first time you know. hunter and, and this is it I'm like well, what's what's the mm-hmm. obsession with it? Why do people care about this? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I could see where somebody would think that because if they're not gobbling,
2: it really isn't a whole lot of fun, is it? No, no, it's not. You know, that's me. People ask you these questions all the time, like, you know, what if you, the question I get a lot is if they gobble. If they did not gobble, would you hunt them? No, I can tell you straight up, I wouldn't. It's the, I just wouldn't. To me, you know, I'm big on using the tube call, locating them from great distances away. That's my thing. And if I can just get one to answer me, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good for yeah. the day, you know? So just hearing that gobble. But you're right. And you got to – you take people who – uh and you don't hear anything. And the last thing I want to do is sit by a clover field for three hours. <laughs> yeah. until their legs are numb. <laughs> so they, they're not going to want to go back. So, no. well, yeah, it,
1: it's, it's amazing how much hope and optimism plays into hunting and, and fishing for that matter. And, and I, when I took my daughter down to uh, to the farm, I was able because I've hunted that farm enough and I've killed enough turkeys down there. I was able to tell her, "Okay, Daddy killed a couple birds over here. I know they come through here." So I kind of painted a picture for her of my previous knowledge of turkeys on the property and and I do that with my buddies that I take out also and I just think that helps create more hope and optimism, optimism in, yeah. in the person that like okay so maybe we're not seeing him here but historically
0: we know that they've come through and the birds have been killed and he's not just lying. That's like being on a deer hunt. You're always you know in the stand when you're sitting there you're always thinking at any moment right. yeah, <laughs> he's going to come out from that spot right there sometimes at any that's moment. what happens. Yeah and it, it, most of the times it doesn't but when it right. does you're like, oh, he he is here. Positive <laughs> he is reinforcement. A
2: that's, you know, that's the difference in a turkey hunter and a turkey killer. It's mm. like your dad, your dad and Mark, they think they can make a turkey gobble at any point during the day in any location. They're, they're always thinking that next stop, that next ridge, that next valley, that next pasture. And, you know, it's like a turkey hunter would get to a, a big, tall hill and go, mm, man, I... I think I ain't go. I ain't climbing that hill. Mark and Terry, they'll get there and go. Just like me, it's like if I get to the top, I can hear what's on the other side. Yeah, so some, a lot of that's mental, you know. Yeah, totally.
0: You know, if I were to take want to take a new hunter. And have a good experience. I'm putting my money on Mark, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because he can
2: seem to make them gobble. (laughs) It's amazing, frankly. (laughs) Look, I I tell people all the time, as good as the Drury's are on there, and you guys clearly set the bar on whatever aspect of White Tails you want to talk about, production of television, growing them, growing the crop, you guys have set the bar. And I tell people all the time, Mark is so much better at turkeys than he is deer. <laughs> people just look at you like you're an alien. I was like, look, I've been knowing him for 30 years. He he is unbelievable. His passion level goes up another notch. And I tell people all the time, look, this dude won the natural voice turkey calling contest, the world. So many times in a row that people are like, Is March coming? I ain't going. <laughs> he, he is, he is, he is so mr turkey to be associated with the whitetail thing it's unbelievable but he never talks about it but buddy you talking about a dream hunt of a lifetime if turkey hunting your thing get to go with mark drury that's like maybe that that's like winning the lottery
0: i was spoiled because back in the day when i first started working for these guys so it's that's been 15 years ago now at for turkey season at that time, dad had just bought his farm there in, in North Missouri, you know, near Kirksville and Mark and, you know, Coondog and Comstock, all those guys, we were all hunting out of Terry's camp. And at that time, North Missouri, that area of North Missouri was really, really good mm-hmm. loaded with turkeys. And so every year when I, I would come up for opening day and I didn't realize at the time, you know, I was in my mid twenties, early twenties. I had no idea how spoiled I was to experience that type of hunting with that crew and I would always end up getting to go at, at first it was with Mark and Terry mm. and then over the years it would just be me and Mark and uh, we'd kill on opening day every year usually on You're the man Like, and I thought man this is so awesome <laughs> this is so awesome. easy but then our camp split up and I started just hunting with Terry and it's been a little different something story changed. It's, something changed mm. in the equation <laughs> we still have luck but not quite as good of Luck. It's just Imagine amazing. That. Yeah. What Mark can do. <laughs> so my opening day success has waned a little <laughs> Yeah. Hey,
1: cause well, you, yeah. y- y- you mentioned that, that folks are t- landowners are typically more likely to give you access to their property. If you ask to Turkey hunt, what do you think causes that kind of, uh, double standard between asking to Turkey hunt versus deer mm-hmm. hunting?
2: Well, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of places that, you know, the deer market, outfitters, media has just been. I mean, everybody. I think a lot of people associate big deer or deer hunting with money, mm, and sure. a lot of times, uh, turkey hunters aren't like that. Uh, they, they just. I don't know what it is. It's just maybe it's the approach. Maybe it's they hadn't had anybody hunting since fall,
1: mm-hmm.
2: bad experience during deer season, but. Yeah. It's happened to me countless times. I was on a, I've been on public ground two or three times, and like one in Nebraska, and those turkeys kept hanging over on that. So I just went over to that private ground, you know, waited till somebody was there, and pulled up a boom, man, killed one the next day going in from the private side. So it just seems to where they're more open. I don't know what it is, and a lot of it's your approach and how you say that and how you do that, but. I think they've come to everybody's kind of over flooded the deer thing, but turkeys yeah. in the spring, people seem to be in a different different mindset.
0: And I think it it. It's a foot in the door to potentially have that conversation down the road for the deer side, not to be pushy or anything like that. But it (laughs) does. If you show you're, you know, you're a good person, good steward of the land, you are respectful of their property, Mm -hmm. then you know what? Maybe there is an opportunity or maybe it's a foot in the door to ask if they need any help on their property, cleaning anything up or, you know, and that just kind of extends the conversations, right? Yeah. You have one more conversation. It's one more chance. It's one more opportunity. And then when the time's right, who knows, you might be able to see if they're interested in in going down that path for, for deer season. Yeah. I've often
1: wondered if it's just also because turkeys are just so ugly in the facial area.
0: (laughs) That (laughs) could have something to do with it. Honestly, it's just, there's a, it's a different feeling, Shooting a turkey compared to shooting a deer, it's just a whole different type of feeling. So agreed, there might be something to that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you know, the whole getting permission, people they kind of nod it off and go, "Oh, that's just hearsay." But it's it's still it's still an option out there. Mm-hmm. And like you say, is you know, if a guy has that burning desire to have a good place, he'll find it. And if he's uh, or she is not willing to do. Let's go chop some wood or mend the fence or build that relationship. Maybe they don't need any more people in our life. Well, go hunt the public dirt. But there's options out there. I'm telling you, I find them all the time. And your dad, or Mark, anyway, I don't know if Terry hits him that hard. But like you say, Mark's all over that. Mark's
0: definitely dad, not to say dad's a fuddy duddy and he just wants to be left alone, but he's to the point where he kind of likes to be left alone. Mm -hmm. And I've seen where Mark he's, you know, that passion and Mark's 10 years younger. So, you know, it's just one of those things where he loves to have people in camp. He loves to go, you know, he doesn't have any problem knocking on a door or talking to the neighbor or doing any of those types of things. And dad, well, to an extent, but he's pretty private in general. Yeah, and you know he just likes his privacy, and it's a it's a double edged kind of sword here because we're in a public spotlight. So, uh, it doesn't you know, translate so it doesn't well. always translate. But he just that's his personality. He's just yeah. kind of a private person. He get it's he gets it from my grandma's side. Mm. It's very much how she is, and my grandpa is the total opposite. It was the total opposite, mm-hmm. and that's how Mark's personality is. Sure, it's interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Cause makes it, makes makes for good suit though those two together man they're unbeatable they'll figure no it out doubt. between the two of us yes.
1: <laughs> you know there's there's so much there's so much gear on the market for turkey hunting more so than than at any point in the past there's so much gear that folks can can purchase cuz what do you think in terms of a starting kit for for a guy that's going to go out turkey hunting for the first time what are the the bare essentials that they
0: need
2: well comfortable boots would be number one you know, I, I did a, on a CUSS 411. Lauren talked me into doing a vest dump. This was a couple of years ago, yeah, maybe yeah. three. Most watched video out there. And I think people watch it, but they might have been disappointed because I don't carry that much. Comfortable boots, to be number one. <laughs> you know, I carry like a couple of mouth calls. I carry the tube call just because for me, it's very versatile. I can do long range stuff, I can do a goose or a coyote, stuff like that on it. Uh, you know, uh, one thing that I think everybody should have is a single-sided box call, one that's real mm-hmm. easy to use. My biggest, my two things for me are, are a, a lightweight pair of binoculars mm-hmm. and a locator call, because I'm like Mark. I like to move and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, there's so much gear out there. It's like, golly, see, I'm not a big I'm not a big decoy guy. The older I get, the lighter I go because it's, I mean, you can feel the miles when you put them in. But I I carry very little stuff, you know, a a couple of mouth calls, a good locator call, binos, a bottle of water, comfortable boots. Uh, Everybody's going to end up with what they need and what they want. But me personally, if I got to carry a pop-up blind and six decoys and all this, I ain't going, you know. I just That's I can't do that anymore. So, yeah. uh, some call you're really comfortable with. I th- I don't know how anybody hunts without binoculars. Now they don't have to be, you know, the best model ten powers that are really big. But uh, binos, a good locator call, comfortable boots. That'd be my top three.
1: And when, what are you doing with with your binos?
2: Oh, you look constantly, constantly looking the fields. You know, when I sit down and you're, and so many times you get one gobbling on the roost and you sit down. You know, you're a, a couple of hundred yards away. If you sit there and just get really still, glass, and you may be able to find them up in there. What I look for in that situation is hens, because a lot of times they're not very vocal. And if you can spot hens nearby that gobbler, which chances are they're going to be there, that, that's going to that's going to change your strategy. It will strain. It'll change mine. You know, because. People say all the time, you know, you never call to a turkey one that tree, and that makes zero sense to me. I want to get my name in the hat, especially if there's a few hens around. I, I won't. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do fly down, cackles, and start cutting, but I'm gonna get my name in the hat with a tree yep or something like that. Use the binos layer a lot. Always identifying when you're riding down the road, topping the hill, looking down there. So many times, especially when you're mine. Harry's age, you need to glass it. You can't always just pick out those heads with the eyes down through there. So I, I can't tell you how many times during a typical hunt I'll use mine constantly.
1: It's, it's something that I started using way more this year than I've ever, <laughs> than I've ever used. And, and maybe that's cause you didn't see a turkey <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that could play into it, but it's nice to kind of have the drop cause their eyesight is so incredible yeah. to, to have the drop on them visually a little bit, to know like at a distance where they are and to be able to prep. That was, uh, that was huge to, to just kind of have that sure. confidence and knowing that. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I tell you something else that I use a lot too, and I'm not—I don't have any sponsors, but I use the OnX stuff so much. If I would have had that app, or I had anything like that, I, if they would have had that technology when I was first starting out, in my first ten years hunting public land, man, I, I'd have probably been written up by so many game wardens. It's <laughs> crazy that that technology is unbelievable, especially when you travel like we do. Like, what's what's on the other side of that? Tree line. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. the, I didn't know that pond was there. Know, man, that right there is so just. That just is to know just your incredible. property lines.
0: You know, no it's it's so handy just to know. Oh, okay, I'm close to the fence here. I need to, you know, because if when you're walking through the timber sometimes you don't especially if you're on a piece of dirt that you don't know mm-hmm. that well you, you just don't know yeah you, you know what i mean it's not like there's some great fence through the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> so usually there's no fence there's no, no anything so it's good to see just generally speaking where you're at on a piece of property
2: amen there, look there's nothing wrong with technology i hear people especially my age going oh well back in the day we did this well you know, back in the day, they lived in caves, you know, and <laughs> they, they didn't fire. some technology is really good, especially, especially if it makes it easier for a kid or makes it more exciting for a kid because their technology ain't going away. No, yep, so right. you, you better embrace certain parts of that or they're not going to be able to relate to you at all. Yeah, that's their life. Technology mm-hmm. is their lifeblood. Literally. Yeah.
1: And, and and every generation, I mean, I remember my parents saying that about about me when I was a kid and uh, starting out with computers in first and second grade. I think every generation says that about the up and coming generation. Yeah. Just a matter of how much you embrace and stay relevant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yep. th- that's the, that's what I love. And I mentioned it, but that's what I love about cuz he's staying relevant and staying mm-hmm. on top of the times because he's embracing the technology. And there's some folks in our industry that haven't. And, you know, not, and it's not in a bad way. They don't, they chose not to, but you think of like a Chuck Adams or, you know, even Barry and Gene Wenzel, and you, you don't people our age and younger may not know as much as they should about how influential those people before us were right. because we just don't know them from social media and it's a sad thing but that's mm-hmm. the reality of
2: it right yeah that's the way it is you know i i can remember my wife looking at me i was sitting there complaining about some young kid and, and not so much what they've done but what they hadn't done and I didn't have much faith in him. She looked at me, and she said, how many times you think your dad looked at you shaking his head going, mm-hmm. we're, we're doomed. <laughs> so it's, it's like every generation is like that, but I I figured out, like I told you, my 12 my year old granddaughter looked at me and said, pop, if you're not on Instagram, you're not relevant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Mark, Mark Twain said that every generation's duty is to complain about the up and coming generation. And that's, yeah. that's, we're, we're living it right now. You know, when, when and when I think about technology as it relates to, to hunting, I always think I, I use it embrace it but not to the extent that you are like if a battery dies that you're dead in the water i don't want any part of any component of my hunt to be so dependent upon technology that if a battery dies or a screen cracks then i don't i can't move forward
0: so cuz that's a good point with your grandkids what steps do you take to teach them the woodsmanship side because i know that's a huge thing obviously for you 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 understand what you're doing out there you know what you're doing you've been through it all do you pass along those little tips and techniques to them along the way
2: i do you know when we get in that situation i i pretty much like i i all three of the boys i gave them a couple of things probably before i should have one was a compass mm-hmm. and that one was one of them was a pocket knife and i'll tell them all the time when we're leaving now i said now you know the truck's right here we're gonna leave the truck right here and we'll get the compass out I'll say that way's west and that way, and we'll get to a point. I, I just want them to know how to use a compass. I'll show them how to take their knife and mark the mark a limb or a, a stick sticking up on the other side. So when you turn around, because when you turn around, everything looks different. I'm Completely, big on yeah. uh, not getting lost because I've been lost and that's not <laughs> a fun thing. But yeah, I, I act like technology's not there. I may sneak my my phone out to kind of get an aerial view sometime, but I act like that doesn't even exist. And they're as fascinated with that old stuff yeah. as, as I am with technology. They think that's cool.
0: That's pretty cool. I got, I kept, um, from the boy scouts when I was in boy scouts i got the knife probably when i was in cub scouts actually but i got a boy scout knife mm-hmm. little pocket knife and i've i've held on to that thing about like my red rider bb gun but yeah, i want to i one. look forward to passing that on to cameron at some point because i remember and i got a scar on my hand to prove it but i mean i remember getting that and thinking i i did everything with that knife i probably shouldn't have been but <laughs> i always had, i thought it was the coolest thing and uh to your point because I, I i think those those little things get forgotten and, you know, everybody's worried about the safety of their kids and they should be, but you know, we also all lived through it and yeah. you can't, they'll survive, you
2: know? I, yeah. How much, how much fun have you had if you never broke anything, <laughs> whether it's a, a bone or a bicycle tire, mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story. I'll mm-hmm. try to get through this without getting choked up because you never know what, what kids are dialing in on. I've tried to tell the story. Sometimes I get choked up anyway when my youngest one, was like six. I think she was six. We went deer hunting and uh, we were walking through the woods, you know, and going to a, whatever, a greenfield or something. And it, it just rained and I stopped and I, I said, can you smell that? And she said, what is that, Pop? And I said, that's the woods. I said, you can only smell that out here. And then we took off walking. I'm like, you know, just something my dad would say, whatever. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, Almost to the week, we're doing a hunt with John Anoni at Camp Compass. And now Lauren, who is 16, is guiding a little girl. And we're walking, and I'm just got the big camera and I'm just the videographer on this day. And they stopped. And Lauren sniffed the air like that. And she did the same thing, told that little girl, You smell. And I'm telling you, I just had tears come to my eyes. Mm. She had remembered that from 10 years earlier. And I never brought it up again. So you never know what's going to imprint. But the fact that they're out there with you guys, man, you, you can never underestimate how much they're imprinting on that and how yeah. much that means mm-hmm. to them. Because they they want, they want that rock. Somebody's got to be that rock. Yeah. So uh, man, you guys are doing a great job.
0: That's an awesome story, Cuz. That is so cool. Yeah. And And those things are real. Yeah, like those, and and they're tangible. You can touch them, tangible. you feel them. And and the thing about the
1: the thing the things that are so powerful about the outdoors are that it's so real. If you don't dress right, you're going to get cold. If you don't plan right, you're going to get hungry. If you you know there are and there are real consequences, and there are real successes that you get to experience. And it's it's so different from the virtual world that so many of our kids are growing up in. And there are you can you can literally hurt yourself if 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 you do something wrong. And and those are powerful experiences for kids to get. And even folks that maybe are adults, but just have never hunted, but are thinking about doing it. It's not completely safe. Like you, you have to think, you have to use your head, you have to plan. And there's so many things like with my phone, with the computer, I can undo or get something back that I deleted. If you get rid of something, you know, on a hunt or lose something, it's just gone. And so I just, just the reality of consequences and, and the, the need to plan. There's one of the, one of the places I hunt, there's literally no cell service. And it transports you back to as late as the 1990s where you had to like coordinate with someone. Okay. I will meet you here at yeah. noon and then we're going to go on and do this. We can't do this thing until we meet up. And, and it's just Kinda so nice different. sometimes it, it, it really is. And it's a reminder that there is a real life out there that sometimes we miss out on.
0: Yeah. It's a tough thing because technology is like, cause said, you, you know, we've all embraced it. And I, I to be able to utilize it to be successful hunting it's a good thing it's a great thing Mm -hmm. but you know there there are some of those old school ways that you don't want to lose sight of and and you want to be able to pass along so that's right
2: yeah just in case that battery dies like you say that's (laughs) that's a big deal and i and I, i i'm just like like matt i mean when i take cranky or his brother matt walking him I'll say, look, bring your phone or bring your iPad, put it on mute or turn it off just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and as long as because you like I say, you gotta be part of that. But I'm telling you, deep down, they want those other activities. Long as you keep them busy, long as you keep them busy, they won't think about it. It's like out on my farm, I have the dirt pile and I have the chicken coop and I've got a track for their bicycles and all that kind of stuff, and they don't really think about it. You know, till late at night or whenever, after supper, the sun goes down, pop. or oh, they'll ask my wife, they call her Yaya, can we go play on the fortnight? And sure, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's like the drive-ins were with us as part of their, it's part of their world. So,
1: yeah, uh, moderation. You just
2: got to deal with
1: it. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs>
0: Well, you want to hop into our wildlife word? Yeah. I don't know that cuz has experienced this little piece of heaven that we call wildlife word with us yet. So we, so Tim came up with a, a segment that we started doing in, in just about every show here and called the the wildlife word. And, and he comes up with some word that he trips me up on. that I've never heard about makes me usually look pretty dumb. And then he gives me an explanation of how far off I was on what this <laughs> word meant. So, we look forward to seeing just what kind of knowledge you have because i usually have zero
2: so have well, I, I can't google it because i'm looking at my phone so i'm, I'm so in big trouble
1: technology aside here yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're going rogue okay so the term is alpha gal have either of you guys heard the term alpha
0: gal i think i'm married to one <laughs> that's right because <laughs> do
2: you know this one I don't know, man. My definition, I've never heard that. I've heard alpha male. I don't know what an alpha gal. You know, the common sense will tell you it's like the ball's hand, but I have never heard that word.
1: So, so my, my gut is most of our listeners have not either, but but they soon will. This is another tick-borne illness, um, oh. and it's a, it's a syndrome identified as a food allergy to red meat in the United States. The condition most often begins when a lone star tick bite transmits a sugar molecule called alpha-gal into the host body. So there are people, and it's, it's impacting a lot of outdoorsmen.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing more and more about this.
1: Exactly. They're getting bit by Lone Star ticks, which we have in abundance here in Missouri, and they end up in, in in a strange twist of irony, allergic to red meat, venison. So, so the guys that are out there chasing whitetails and 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 yeah. contracting this can't consume the whitetails that they're that they're killing. It's 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 actually a pretty serious condition. I, one of my friends I go to church with actually has it, and and it took a long time for the doctors to figure out what was
0: going on they because more or it's or less so new. Have an allergic reaction to meat, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yep. So alpha gal, that's, that's because well, of a v- new vote. Hey, so cuz it's something you don't ever want to hear, hear on your personal life.
2: Uh, I can't tell you how devastating that would be to me <laughs> as a big guy, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I listened to that and I wrote it down. I'll be spraying more on or whatever I need. permethrin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll you, stay away from that. One too.
0: of the things I enjoy about following cuz social media, see, he, he's, <laughs> he's a man of my own heart. he, stops at every burger joint he can find, <laughs> you know, mom and pop sure. or what a burger or whatever
2: it is. Oh. small business. He, I love it. I love to see those <laughs> updates. I'm always, hey, look, next time you go to Texas, you got to go to Jacksboro. Remember this Jacksboro, which is North and West of Dallas and uh, go to the herd H E R D herd burger. It's still out of all my travels. It's still the number one burger I've ever had. Oh. I know it's hard to believe, but if you ever, next time you head to Texas, pull it up. It's been there 105 years. Holy wow. cow. They're doing something tiny, right. Tiny little building. That's all they serve. It's like the suit Nazi you know, on Seinfeld. You, <laughs> you better they hand you burger. the burger and wax paper and you walk out. <laughs> Remember the Herb Burger in burger.
0: Mouth shut, eyes forward, <laughs> right. pay your bill, get out of there, enjoy the burger. Or you'll
2: never That's, get another it's one. It's a
1: high-stress scenario. Jeez. <laughs> That's
2: it. That's it. Yeah, I love the food. Yeah, kids, dogs, and food. That's the number three things that you post. that gets point. a lot of lot of views. So, yeah. Hey, I'm a... I'm a burger addict just like you are,
0: Matt. That's a good place to end on because now I'm going to go eat lunch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it, let's do it. Well, thank you you to Rich for submitting the question. We appreciate that. And if you want to submit a question to the show, just go to drearyoutdoors.com slash podcast, click the send voicemail tab and leave us your name and location and what your question is. We'll do our best.
0: And as always, you can follow us over on the DeerCast app. We got a lot of cool new things happening. Of course, we're giving away a 60 acre farm in North Missouri. We're going to be giving it away here in December. December, all you got to do is sign up, go to the app, sign up. You're automatically entered in for that and for monthly prizes that we have between, you know, here and December for our 30th anniversary this season. So uh, I think here in the month of May, we're giving away a whole full set of Morel targets. Mm-hmm. We've given away farm implements and pallets of of uh, supplements and all kinds of cool stuff. I know we got a good, good one coming up from Mossy Oak. That's right. So So uh all kinds of cool stuff happening on Deercast Gen 2's coming up here uh this summer. And we got a new tracking feature, Deercast track, that I think people are gonna just absolutely eat up. So I'm excited about launching that. Yeah. So, you know, the whole point of trying to help people get on a Deer was the initial thought of Deercast, but once you shoot it, what happens? You know, the game's not over yet. And the most important part is, is fixing to happen. How long should you wait? You know, where was the hit? And we go through with some of the best trackers in the world. And, uh, and, uh, we're going to go through and hit each scenario and each quadrant of the animal. And, uh, I think people are going to really dig into that and, and love it. So it's pretty sweet. And
1: we're given, we're not giving away, but we're working with the folks at PSE for the, the PSC summer shootout. And they are uh, giving away a hunt at
0: SOE hunts. In yeah, Texas. In South Texas, uh, place that I know John Odell's hunted a ton, and, and him and his wife, and they've killed some absolutely giants on there, with Mike Straff. So uh, a lot, a lot of going on and giving away right now, but that's the beauty mm-hmm. of it, right? If I was a consumer, I'd be like, all right, where do I sign <laughs> Right, let's sign like this up for each of them. So, anyways, let's thank cuz. Cuz we love you, man. We appreciate you coming on as always and and uh committing your time to the podcast and all that you do for outdoors men and women in all over
2: hey thank you for asking me i love you guys y'all are the second wave and i'm telling you being around people like you guys right there it's in good hands god bless what all you do down there
0: we thank, thank you sir you strickland enjoy right. the time with your grandchildren buddy
2: see you
1: all, right. all right until all right. next time let's shut this thing down peace out see ya.